Chapter Nine of Flood Tide. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Flood Tide by Sarah Ware Bassett. Chapter Nine: A Widening of the Breach. So, piped Genoa, that's what you're doing, is it, Willie Spence? Well, you needn't have been so all fired still about it. I guessed as much all the time. There was an acid flavor in the words. Yes, I knowed it from the beginning, well as if I'd been here. Even if you did shut me out and take this city feller in to help you in place of me. Maybe he has studied about boats, but how do you know what he's up to? How do you know anyhow who he is or where he came from? He says, of course, that he's Teeny's nephew, and he may be, for all I can tell, but what proof of you he ain't somebody else who's come here to steal your ideas and get money for him? There was a moment of stunned silence as the barbs from his tongue pierced the stillness. Then Delight stepped in front of the interloper. "'How dare you, Genoa Eldridge?' she cried. "'How dare you insult Willie's friend and—and and mine? You've no right to speak so about Mr. Morton.' Before her indignation, Genoa quailed. In all his life he had never before seen Delight Hathaway angry, and something in her flashing eyes and flaming cheeks startled him. "'I... I weren't meaning to say twas actually so,' mumbled he apologetically. "'Like as not, the young man's exactly what he claims to be. Still, Willie's awful gullible.' and there's times when a word of warning ain't such a bad thing. I'm sorry if you didn't like it. I didn't like it, not at all, the girl returned, only slightly mollified by his conciliatory tone. If you are anything of a gentleman, you will apologize to Mr. Morton immediately. Ain't I just said I was sorry? hedged the sheepish Genoa. "'Indeed, there is no need for anything further,' Robert Morton protested. "'Perhaps, knowing me so little, it was only natural that he should distrust me.' "'It was neither natural nor courteous,' came hotly from delight. "'And I, for one, am mortified that any visitor to the village should receive such treatment.' Then, as if clearing her skirts of the offending Mr. Eldridge, she drew herself to her full height, and swept magnificently out the door. An awkward silence followed her departure. Robert Morton hesitated, glancing uneasily from Willie to Genoa, scented a storm, and, slipping softly from the shop, went in pursuit of the retreating figure. "'For goodness sake, Genoa, whatever set you making a speech like that?' Willie demanded when the two were alone. Have you gone plumb crazy? The very notion of your lightning to that innocent young feller. What are you thinking of? Maybe he ain't so innocent as he seems, the accuser sneered. The little old man faced him sharply. Come, he persisted. Let's have this thing out. What do you know about him? What do you? retorted Genoa, evading the question. The inventor paused, chagrined. "'You don't know nothing, and I don't know nothing,' 
continued Genoa, seizing the advantage he had gained. "'Each of us is welcome to his opinion, ain't he? It's a free country. You're all for believing the chap's an angel out of heaven. You've swallowed down every word he's uttered, like as if it was gospel truth, and took him into your own house same as if he was a relation.' "'There's fish that gobble down bait just that way. "'I ain't that kind. "'Young men don't bury themselves up in a quiet spot like Wilton "'without they've got something up their sleeve.' "'Staring intently at his friend, "'he noted with satisfaction that Willie's brow had clouded into a frown. "'Is it to be expected, I ask you now, "'is it to be expected that a spirited young sprig of a college feller such as him "'Relishes spending his time working away in this shop day in and day out? "'What's he doing it for? Tell me that. "'This world ain't a benevolent institution, "'and the folks in it don't go to throwing their elbow grease away "'unless they look to get something out of it. "'This Morton boy has boned down here like a slave. "'What's in it for him?' "'Why, it's his vacation, and—' "'Vacation?' interrupted Genoa scornfully. "'You call it a vacation, do you, for him to be working away here with you? You honestly think he hankers after doing it?' "'He said he did.' "'And you believed it, I suppose, same's you credited the rest of his talk,' jeered Mr. Eldridge. "'Look out the window, Willie Spence, and tell me, if you was twenty instead of most seventy, if you'd be staying indoors a carpent in these summer days when you could be outside. He swept a hand dramatically toward the casement, and in spite of himself the old man obeyed his injunction and looked. A dome, blue as larkspur, arched the sky, and to its farther bound the sea, reflecting its azure tints, flashed and sparkled as if set with stars of gold. Along the shore, where glittered reaches of hard white sand and a gentle breeze tossed into billows the salt grass edging the margin of the little creeks, fishermen launching their dories called to one another, their voices floating upward on the still air with musical clearness. "'Would you be putting in your vacation a-workin' all summer, Willie, if you was the age of that young man?' repeated Genoa. "'He ain't here for all summer.' protested the unhappy inventor, catching at a straw. "'He's only going to stay a little while.' "'He was here for overnight at first, weren't he?' inquired the tormentor. "'Then it lengthened into a week, and the Lord only knows how much longer he's planning to hang around the place. "'Besides, if he's only making a short visit, it's less likely than ever he'd want to put in the whole of it tinkering with you.' He'd be going about seeing Wilton, sailing, fishing, swimming, or clamming, like other folks do that come here for the summer, if he was a normal human being. But has he been anywheres yet? No, sir. I've had my weather eye out, and I can answer for it that the feller ain't once poked his head out of this shop. What's made him so keen for staying in Wilton and working? Willie did not answer, but he took a great bandana with a flaming border of scarlet from his pocket and mopped his forehead nervously. "'That young chap,' resumed Genoa, holding up a grimy finger which he shook impressively at the wretched figure opposite, 
is here for one of two reasons. You can like em or not, but they're true. He's either here to steal your ideas from you, or he's got his eye on Delight Hathaway. He saw his victim start violently. "'Maybe it's the one, maybe it's the other. I ain't saying,' announced Genoa with malicious pleasure. "'It may even be both reasons put together. He's aiming for some landing place, you can be certain of that, and I'm warning you as a friend to look out for him, that's all.' "'I... I don't believe it,' burst out the little inventor, his benumbed faculties beginning slowly to assemble themselves." "'Why, there ain't a finer, better-spoken young man to be found than Bob Morton.' Genoa caught up the final phase with derision. "'The better-spoken he is, the more watchin' he'll bear,' remarked he. "'There's many a villain with an oily gift of gab.' "'I'll not believe it,' Willie reiterated. Mr. Eldridge shrugged his shoulders. "'Take it or leave it.' he said. You're welcome to your own way. Only don't say I didn't warn you. Flinging this parting shot backward into the room, Genoa Eldridge passed out into the rose-scented sunshine. With a sad look in his eyes, Willie let him go, watching the tall form as it strode waist-high through the brakes and sweet fern that patched the meadow. It was his first real quarrel with Genoa. Since boyhood they had been friends, the gentleness of the little inventor bridging the many disagreements that had arisen between them. Now had come this mammoth difference, a divergence of standard too vital to be smoothed over by a gloss of cajolery. Willie was angry through every fiber of his being. Slowly it steeped into his consciousness that Genoa's fundamental philosophy and his own were at odds their attitude of mind as antagonistic as the poles. Against trust loomed suspicion, against generosity narrowness, against optimism pessimism. Genoa believed the worst of the individual, while he, Willie, reason as he might, inherently believed the best. One creed was the fruit of a jealous and envious personality that rejoiced rather than grieved over the limitations of our human clay. The other was a result of that charity that beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, because of a divine faith in the God and man. For a long time Willie stood there thinking, his gaze fixed upon the gently swaying plumage of the pines. The shock of his discovery left him suddenly feeling very sad and very much alone. It was as if he had buried the friend of half a century. Yet even to bring Genoa back, he could not retract the words he had uttered or exchange the light he followed for Genoa's sinister beckonings. In spite of a certain reasonableness in the pessimist's logic, in spite of circumstances he was incapable of explaining, in spite even of Cynthia Galbraith, a latent belief in Robert Morton's integrity crystallized into certainty, and he rose to his feet, freed of the doubts that had previously assailed him. At the instant of this emancipation, the young man himself entered. 
What had passed during the interval since he had gone out of the workshop Willie could only surmise, but it had evidently been of sufficiently inspiring a character to bring into his countenance a radiance almost supernatural in its splendor. Nevertheless, he did not speak, but stood immovable before the little old inventor as if awaiting a judge's decree, the glory fading from his eyes and a half-veiled anxiety stealing into them. Willie smiled and, reaching up, placed his hands on the broad shoulders that towered opposite. "'I'm sorry, Bob,' he affirmed, with a sweetness as winning as a woman's. "'You mustn't mind what Jan said. He's getting old and a mite crabbed, and he's kind of foolish about me, maybe. I wouldn't have had him hurt your feelings.' Robert Morton caught the expression of pain in the troubled face and cut the apology short. "'It's all right, Mr. Spence,' he cried. "'Don't give it another thought. "'So long as you remain my friend, "'I don't care what Mr. Eldridge thinks. "'We'll pass it off as jealousy and let it go at that.' "'The old man tried to smile, "'but the corners of his mouth drooped, "'and he sighed instead. "'To have Genoa's weaknesses thus nakedly set forth by another "'was a very different thing from recognizing them himself.' and instinctively his loyalty rose in protest. "'Maybe twas jealousy,' he replied. "'Folks have always stood out that Genoa was jealous. "'But somehow I'd rather think twas trying to look after me and my affairs that misled him. "'Suppose we call it a sort of slab-sided friendliness.' "'We'll call it anything you like,' assented Bob with a happy laugh. This time Willie laughed also. "'So she stood by you, did she?' queried he with quick understanding. "'Yes.' "'Twas like her.' "'It was like both of you.' The old man raised a hand in protest against the gratitude the remark implied. "'Delight ain't often wrong. She's a fair dealer.' Then he added significantly, them as ain't fair with her deserve no salvation. Hanging would be too good for the man who is not square with a girl like that, came from Robert Morton, with an emphasis unmistakable in its sincerity. End of chapter 9 Recording by Roger Moline